Welcome to Dear Prudence. I'm your Prudence, Janae Desmond-Harris. Today, we'll be offering advice to readers who are dealing with friends who hold grudges when their sexual advances are rejected, unsupportive, and I think I should add sexist, coffee shop bosses, and people who keep tracking fleas into their homes. Helping me out today is Brittany Luce. She's the host of NPR's culture podcast, It's Been a Minute, and she previously hosted For Colored Nerds and The Nod. Brittany, thank you so much for joining me. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to have you on. And before we got started, I was like, you know, I'm going to ask you for one piece of unsolicited advice, right? And you said, (laughs) oh my God, yes, I can't wait to share it. So take it away. Okay. You know, look, I have always wanted to share this piece of dating advice widely, far and wide. I know a lot of people are like, you know, me and my ex can be friends Mm -hmm. or they like to follow somebody that they went on like five dates with in 2014 on social media. Mm -hmm. And I I think that sometimes that can be totally fine. And I don't want to say that it's impossible to be friends with an ex. I'm not friends with any of mine, but my husband is friends with a couple of his and it's fine. Mm -hmm. I totally get it. Mm -hmm. But I'm more so concerned with, this is for the people who, um, who find themselves unable to fully get into another relationship or feel like they can't um, get into the groove with dating. (sighs) There's a certain type of person that drives me nuts, Mm -hmm. which is the person who's always complaining about how they can't find anybody. They can't Mm -hmm. meet anybody. Nobody wants them. They can't make things work. And meanwhile, I, as their friend or colleague or whatever, have to sit there, listen to all this prattling on, Uh knowing that they are still hooking up with, texting, Instagram stalking, Mm. FaceTiming with, going out to dinner with, hanging out with, having happy hour with, babysitting their dog, (laughs) their ex. Or somebody, it doesn't matter if it's an ex that you hook up with or if it's an ex, like actual partner or whatever. If you are meddling in the past and you're so focused with what somebody's doing, you know, somebody from your past is doing, you cannot move forward to the next thing. Similarly, I just feel like uh, another one of my big gripes is people who are always like, oh my God, can you believe so-and-so? Some person from like eight, seven, eight, ten years ago <laughs> uh-huh. or six months ago or a year ago. Can you believe they texted me in the middle of the night asking to meet up? Can you believe <laughs> that they still want me even though they're married? Blah, 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 blah. Cut it off. Stop right. that. The only reason right. they can reach out to you is because you allow them to contact you. So my piece of unsolicited advice, if you're not dating somebody anymore, uh-huh. block and delete their phone number, block them. I say block so that they can't contact you. Mm-hmm. But then I have to say delete because I used to be weak in the knees. Okay. Right. I used to, I people would tell me, stand up. I was somebody that you needed to tell to stand up back in the olden days. And I just realized after a while, it wasn't doing me any good to continue to sort of like field interest from somebody who felt lukewarm about me mm-hmm. um, when that wasn't what I was looking for. And that it's just best to just cut your losses and move on. So I have to say delete so that I can't contact them and reach out. Well, the you talk about the, the friend who's always um, like talking about their ex. And then, you know, the friend always says, I blocked him on everything. And then three weeks later, they're like, well, we were talking. And you're like, how did you? How? how? <laughs> if they were blocked on everything, well, I had temporarily unblocked just for- No, uh-uh. <laughs> I don't do that. I do not. I only got caught up in something. Well, I didn't get caught up. Only one time did my block and delete not work. I think I got I got a, a new computer in 2019 and someone mm-hmm. that I dated briefly in 2014, who is still obsessed with me, uh-huh. putting it out there, still obsessed with Understandable. me. Understandable. Um, 
still, um, he like was able to text me on my new computer. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I was like, you are blocked on my laptop as well. But no, I'm very much, uh, and I will say, I block and delete on the phone. I do like to leave my social media open. I don't mm. respond to DMs. Uh, but I mean, I, I know DM culture has changed since I was single eight and a half years ago. Um, but I'm not a big DM girly, but mm-hmm. I do like to see, I like for them to see how I'm living. I like to, for them to see how happy I am. And I like for it to crush them inside. Interesting. Um, or I liked at the time that I cared more about that. But yeah, I'm very much block and delete. A lot of people's dating issues that they have, I feel like about 70% of people's like low level dating issues could be solved by just simply blocking and deleting the contact information for a person who just is not a fit for you and doesn't serve you. They're not going to become your best friend. You guys are not going to open up a business together. They're not going to help you get a job. They're not going to pick up your mom from the hospital. (laughs) Nothing is going to happen that is going to serve you. So block and delete and leave room for the new. So that's my piece of unsolicited advice. First of all, I love this unsolicited advice because it's so bold and so concrete. Um, a lot of people come on and their unsolicited advice is like, try, try your best and love yourself. No. So I like that you were, <laughs> I like that you were willing to go out on a limb. I also agree, but I, I like the framing of it because usually in the column and on the podcast, if we're talking about the issue of being friends with an ex, it's should you do it or should you not do it out of mm-hmm. respect for your partner or because it makes your partner uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But I really think your angle on it is better. You shouldn't do it to free yourself up. So your ex isn't absorbing all that energy and attention that could go elsewhere. Yes. It could go back to you, honestly. And also, I mean, I think if you're meant to be friends with an ex down the line, I think that like it'll happen organically, Mm -hmm. but it also cannot happen after a long... And I'll say this. I know things work differently in like a lot of gay queer circles. I know it's the friends to lovers and friends again mm-hmm. and roommates and all this. I know I know things can totally work differently. I totally get that. But I'm saying if you are a man out there dating a woman or a woman dating a man, if that's what you're doing. <laughs> block and delete. Block and delete. Cut the shit. Cut it cut it off. It ain't the lingering and all this and the time wasting. Don't do that. You could have, I don't even know. You could be doing any any goal that you have in your life that you want to accomplish, you could have accomplished it with the time and energy that you spent wasting on this kind of like lukewarm stuff. But yeah, I think if you if you're meant to be friends, I think that it'll happen anyway. But you need to give the ending of the relationship time to heal, scab mm-hmm. over. You know what I'm saying? Until and you then, think of them as a person who yeah, you know yeah. them because you dated them rather than a person who is your ex. There's an important distinction there, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, with that, Brittany and I will dive into your questions after a short break. Can't get enough Dear Prudence? Then you should definitely join Slate Plus, Slate's membership program. You'll get to hear me answer an extra question every week just for members. With your subscription, you get ad-free listening across the Slate network and unlimited reading on the Slate site, including all Dear Prudence columns, past and present. Go to slate.com forward slash prudyplus to sign up. It's just $15 for your first three months. Again, that's slate.com forward slash prudyplus. Welcome back. You're listening to Dear Prudence, and I'm here with Brittany Luce. Let's get started with our first letter. It's titled, Miss My BFF. I'm hoping you can help me because I'm not sure what to do. 
I have a best friend who I was very close with for a very long time. We met as children and grew up together and spent a lot of time together as young adults. Without going into several years worth of hard life details, I had to cut off contact with this best friend about a decade ago because she developed severe mental illness where I, or at least her version of me, was heavily enmeshed in her delusions. She thought I had violently murdered people in front of her, tried to kill her and others, and was essentially a raving lunatic mob boss drug dealer killing off everyone around her, which obviously wasn't real. She also included some not so vague threats about coming after me. This was all put on social media at the time with my name included. I reached out to her father who told me about her illness and assured me she was not actually dangerous and he was trying to get her back on her meds. But I was advised not to reach out to her as several of her delusions were very focused on me. I did as requested and have not reached out to her at all since the posts from above happened. And though I've missed my best friend, yes, I still call her that in spite of everything, I completely understand that she is ill and things can't be the way that they used to be, and that her illness is not her fault, and I don't blame her in the slightest for any of it. The issue is that she recently reached out to me on social media by way of a friend request. I looked at her feed, and though she appeared to be doing better, I had thought that she was doing well years ago and everything fell apart for her so horribly. I miss her so much, but I don't want my existence in her virtual circle to be the reason that she spirals again. And, to be perfectly honest, I don't know if I could deal with losing her again the way I did before. It breaks my heart thinking about how close we once were, and it's taken years for me to accept that in all likelihood, we will never have that kind of friendship again. I'm crying as I write this. Obviously, my piddly complaints about missing her pale in comparison to what she is going through, and I wish her all the best of everything, but I'm just not sure what the right thing to do here is. Should I accept her friend request and hope that she is okay and that things are fine and risk somehow potentially triggering her? Or do I just click the X so it doesn't show up anymore? I don't think I can bring myself to reject her. I know logically that I do not control her mental illness in any way, shape, or form, but delusions are not logical. And the last thing I want in the world is to cause her any more pain than she has already gone through. I would love any advice you can give me. Thank you. We only get one side of the story in these letters, but we'll take the letter writer's word for it that she's not actually a mob boss drug dealer who was killing people. (laughs) But that was a delusion. Um, But seriously, it is is so hard to lose a friendship, Mm -hmm. especially a best friendship especially when you can't even say to yourself, we grew apart, we're different people now. Right. Everything that fell apart here fell apart because of stuff that was not real, stuff that came from mental illness. Yeah. I think that makes it especially painful. And I think that's why the letter writer isn't over it after all this time. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really good point. I reread this letter a couple times because, I mean, obviously there's a lot of detail to it. There's a lot to the story, a lot of history there. But a detail that didn't jump out to me the first time, but did upon subsequent readings was that all this went down like a decade ago. Mm-hmm. It's hard. I think to me, the letter raises a question for me that I would pose to the letter writer, which is as opposed to like wondering how a possible rejection from you might affect her. What do you want? Mm -hmm. Do you want to be in contact with her again? Mm -hmm. Do you want to see how she's doing? Honestly, to me, like, it's such a complex and difficult situation. It's from so long ago that I don't see any problem with the letter writer, maybe not wanting to be in contact with this friend again. Um, And I think that's totally fine. Mm -hmm. Also, it feels like a more of an informal kind of like poking from the friend as opposed to like a very formal, like finding your address and sending Mm. you a letter in the mail and saying, Hey, or finding your email address. And you know what I'm saying? And reaching out to you, a social media friend request is 
to me, not that strong of a move to get back into someone's life after that kind of a breakup and that kind of a length of period of silence. I think that it would do the letter writer good to refocus on their desires Mm -hmm. as opposed to thinking about how the ex-friend is going to be affected. She's been without you for a decade and it seems like she has rebuilt her life in some way, shape or form. My thought is, is do you want to open yourself up to like the possibility of communicating with this person again or not? Like a friend request could just mean that they're curious about what's going on in your life. Mm -hmm. A friend request could mean they got drunk and decided that they wanted to just... A friend request could mean they saw people you may know and clicked all of them. Exactly. A a friend request could mean any number of things. And so I think it might be best not to read too much into it. This question, to me, it just makes me want to turn the question back on the letter writer. What do you want? Do you want to open yourself up to the possibility of anything that could come from you possibly being connected with this person again? Anything from they just follow you on Instagram Mm -hmm. to, you know, this might open the door for your friendship to resume again, or for at least you all to have a real talk about what happened. Or, you know, would you prefer to kind of keep that chapter of your life closed and to actually like, you know, decide for yourself that friendship is done and to actually fully grieve it? It's your choice. But my advice is actually think about what you want and then Mm -hmm. move from there. I had a really similar read of it. I think in an ideal world, the letter writer would love to become friends Mm. again with a healthy version of her former friend. I think the framing of I'm worried about accepting the request because I was the target of her delusions and I could send her spiraling again is the wrong way of Mm -hmm. thinking about it. Um, I'm no medical professional, but I think the way delusions work is that you're kind of either in a place where you're having them or you're Mm -hmm. not. um, And they're going to be about whatever may be in front of you at that Mm -hmm. time. Mm. Um, If the friend is unwell right now, she may be having delusions about any number of things. If the friend is healthy and properly medicated and taken care of right now, I think she's very unlikely to be triggered by the letter writers accepting a friend request. Mm. Um, So I thought of it the same way you did. I'm more worried about the intensity of the emotion and grief and mourning that we still see in this letter 10 years later. Um, It sounds like the letter writer hasn't yet healed from the end of the friendship hasn't completely had a chance to mourn it, never got any closure. So I'm actually more worried about the impact on the letter Mm. writer than the impact on the friend. Agreed, agreed. Um, If they do reconnect and and things go poorly, right? Um, She says she's she's crying as she's writing this letter, like you said, a decade Mm. later. Um, That's really intense. And I don't want, I don't want her crying another decade later if things go poorly again. You know, it sort of reminds me of what you said in your unsolicited advice about not staying like social media friends with Mm. exes. I wonder how painful it would be for the letter writer to accept this friend request or whatever it is, and then just kind of have to see her former friend living her life and let her take up that mental real estate. Yeah. Um, Especially if real reconnection isn't possible at this Mm -hmm. time and if real closure isn't possible, I think that could just keep the wound open. I agree. I totally, totally agree. It sounds like what the letter writer needs is closure. An idealized version of closure where they both sit down like, you know, at a coffee shop and hold Mm -hmm. hands and cry together or whatever. Or if you get a letter, like you said, four page letter in the mail, if that kind of closure isn't possible, then you've got to give yourself that gift. 
Yeah, I said this on a recent podcast. I keep quoting my therapist. Everyone can send Kyrie a tip um, for the free information <laughs> that I'm paying for. But um, she told me if you're sad about something, it's bothering you a lot, like set aside five minutes a day and cry mm. about it. You know, mm. give yourself a chance to really, really feel it intensely for short periods of time mm-hmm. to try to work through it rather than just have it lingering in the back of your mind all the time, in this case for years. Yeah. So I think there. There's probably multiple ways for the letter writer to get closure, regardless of the ex-friend's interest or mental health status or whatever else may be going on. I also thought you made a great point about how a a like or a poke or a a friend request is really not a grand gesture. Mm. And if this person is doing so much better and really desires a friendship, um, certainly they know how to reach out with a paragraph, an email, a letter, an actual phone call, something a little bit more substantial. Mm. Without getting that, I would say you you might just want to ignore this yeah, for now. Yeah, I agree. Our next question is titled, Badgered Barista. The owner or manager of the independent coffee shop I work at is giving me a hard time because I'm dating a man who asked me out during my shift. Previously, months ago, we went through a big thing where a different man came in and hit on me repeatedly. I told him I had a boyfriend, but he stalked me on social media and found out I didn't. So I wanted my boss to back me up by telling him we have a rule against employees dating customers. My boss thought this was stupid, but finally, after I told him I was seriously afraid of this guy, he did it. He banned the guy from the shop when he argued with him, and I haven't had any more problems with him. But now, my boss is saying I manipulated him and I'm a hypocrite for dating a customer. Aside from the small, unimportant fact that I'm attracted to my boyfriend and was not attracted at all to the other guy, my boyfriend asked me out very politely, and I'm sure he wouldn't have kept pestering me if I had said no. Am I being hypocritical? And what should I say to my boss, who now brings this up every time my boyfriend drops me off or picks me up from work, or I mention him in any way? I just feel like there's misogyny, sexism, toxic masculinity, and everything running all through this letter. So the very fact that this man stalked her, the fact that it wasn't enough that she did not want to be harassed and stalked, she had to make up a fake rule, and she couldn't deliver the news about the rule. Her male boss had to deliver it for this guy to take it seriously. And now even the fact that her boss is kind of all in her business um, and mad at her, and by the way, I think he probably has a crush on her too and is upset that she's dating anyone. It's just all upsetting to me. Yes. My first piece of advice is Badger Barista, get an employment lawyer. (laughs) Because (laughs) get an employment lawyer. Um, I actually don't know that much about the law. Um, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I don't know anything about the law, but. (laughs) But the lawyer lawyer will. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) This seems wild, illegal to me. To me, this seems a little illegal. Like I said, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know anything about that. But this just seems kind of wild to me that your boss is in your personal business like this, like commenting on your relationship is specifically what I mean. If someone is harassing you at your job, I learned at least from the many types of harassment training, anti-harassment training I've gotten across various workplaces. Mm -hmm. It is a manager's responsibility to make sure that an employee is safe from any sort of stakeholder who enters the workplace. And in your case, this means a customer. If a customer is coming in and continuing to harass you and stalk you, and your manager is not really doing much to address that, that is a workplace safety 
issue. Right. Just the very idea that they jump to, oh, we have to make up a fake rule about dating customers. No, there's, there can be a real rule about guy. harassing yeah, staff. Instead of, that can be a real right. rule. Right. The rule is you're not allowed to harass employees or you have to right. leave. How did we skip past that so quickly? <laughs> and honestly, I, I think the reason we skip past it is that for some people, it's it's normal and acceptable mm. for a man to pursue a woman to the point of harassment and to the point of her feeling extremely uncomfortable oh. and just her feelings, like her right to well being, is not right. enough. So we have to make sh- we have to make up a coffee shop po- fake policy to get you out of here. That's dumb. I used to work at this bookstore called Books a Million, and we had this manager, and I'd only worked maybe two shifts with him. And he was imminently, he was, he was just so creepy. He was so, so, so creepy. And then finally he was like reported by somebody. Many other of the female employees were like, yeah, I had an issue with him too. Yeah, I had an issue with him too. But just a lot of the way that this person is describing their boss just remind mm-hmm. me of my boss from when I was like 18 and worked in a coffee shop myself. Oh, I just, I'm feeling for you. Hopefully, like, like I said, you maybe you can get, maybe you can get an employment lawyer. I don't know. But it seems to me like it might be worth, honestly, looking for a new job. Yeah, I think the realistic advice is that now that your boss is in your business Mm -hmm. on this level, now that he's already become inappropriate, I guess I would say in any workplace, if it's at the point where you and your manager are mad at each other and you're in conflict, um, I'm not saying it's fair, but I'm saying the best thing to do to look out for your own self-interest is to look for a new job. Exactly. Exactly. Dang, dang. Yeah. And I'll say too, the next time this happens, if you're in a service position, or like a public facing job, and if someone's making you uncomfortable or hitting on you during your shift, make sure you go in with the state of mind that that's not your fault. You mm. didn't do anything to deserve it. Yeah. And you're entitled to ask them directly to stop and ask your employer to protect you. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's nothing to be ashamed about there. And like I keep saying, you don't have to make up a rule or a story, it is enough that you're being mistreated and made uncomfortable at work. Absolutely. Luckily, there are a lot of coffee shops. There are a lot of coffee shops. And if you have any coworkers from that job that you still like, you guys can be friends and you can continue to hang out. Definitely. Start fresh somewhere else. And good luck with the boyfriend. He seems great. You're listening to The Dear Prudence Show. And when we come back, we'll be reading more of your letters. Stay with us. Welcome back to Dear Prudence. I'm here with my guest, Brittany, to answer your letters. And the next one is titled, Fleeing the Fleabag. How do my husband and I terminate the relationship with a clingy, manic, quote, friend with a hoarding slash flea problem? My spouse and I recently invited over a friend of a friend, and now he thinks he's our best buddy. He's a self-absorbed guy who is obsessed with the fact that he was once a bouncer in a popular bar in the 90s. He's now almost 60, lonely, and lives in a home packed with hoarded family possessions, which he sells off from time to time because he hasn't had a job in years. He misses most social cues, drinks like a fish, and yells is his regular volume, is totally manic about sex and his level of attractiveness to women, and he tracked fleas into our home from his hoarder palace. I have major immune system issues, and the fleas have been a nightmare. Even minus the fleas, he's just plain awful to be around. How do we get our lives back? My husband works with the public, and this guy lives down the street from my husband's workplace and can show up at any time. Do we tell him about the fleas? 
encourage him to get some mental help. He thinks he's a fabulous specimen of manhood and doesn't believe in psychiatry. We both have anxiety and he's just making us and our cats and bird miserable. Please help. I wish everyone could see could see Brittany's face as this letter was read. <laughs> well, I'm just like, I'm just You're beside like, yourself. look, you don't need any. I'm going to tell you something right now. You do not need to explain to me about your immune system issues <laughs> to justify not wanting fleas in your house. You can just not want fleas in your house. Right. That's fine. That's, That's it's fine. Okay. No explanation. That's such no, a good point. No explanation, no explanation needed. needed. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I don't want to. I always say I don't want to be dismissive right before I'm dismissive. (laughs) (laughs) Let it rip. Let's hear it. I don't see a big conflict here. This is a virtual stranger, right? A friend of a friend. Hello. Who is awful to be around, who is not pleasant, doesn't sound like he's kind to you. He has few redeeming qualities. You don't like him. You don't even want to maintain a relationship with him. Um, you can tell whatever lie you feel like you need to tell mm-hmm. to make it so that he understands he's not welcome back at your house. I suggest, hey, we have a lot going on in our personal life. We're not going to be able to have you over anymore. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. I agree. This is a friend of a friend. The fleas to me is enough. And even if you don't want to tell him, it's like if he brought fleas, then he probably has fleas and maybe he is not in a state to notice or care. Um, and so like bringing it up to him, I don't know what good that's going to do. So right. I, I agree. I think that I totally, totally, totally agree with Prudy here. I think that you can just kind of like tell a white lie to kind of get out of that. But something that is grabbing my attention about this letter is like this person's like, otherwise, how do I put this other unpleasant things <laughs> about this person? Yeah, I just want to say I don't think the fleas are the most disgusting. I agreed. Part. Yeah. I'm more concerned about his behavior. Yeah, his behavior. This is a friend of a friend. It's not a close tie. I don't even, you don't need to sit down and have any sort of conversation about it. My wish for you, letter writer, is that you feel empowered going forward. You and your husband feel empowered going forward to like let go of especially loose ties that are harmful or not so fun or unhappy for you. Also, I'm like, Who's the friend? <laughs> That's what I'm wondering. If this is the friend of the friend, who's the friend? Right. Who's the link? Like, are you, I don't know. Is there something going, not to not to bring problems into your world or anything like that. But <laughs> I'm just wondering if this is like, I mean, I, and of course I know that people have different kinds of friendships and are friends with people for a variety of different reasons. But I don't know. A part of me is also wondering like, is the friend exhibiting some of the same behavior? Or or it's possible the friend was dealing with the 60-year-old former bouncer, unpleasant man in this letter, and the friend was yes. like, how can I get rid of him? So he introduced <sighs> him to this yeah. couple. Trying to like pawn him off. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he knew that yeah, they were too and then nice. They would just be like, oh yeah, we'll be your friend. So yeah, that's I that I'm glad you brought that phrase up. Too nice. You and your husband seem like lovely people. And even like the fact that you all want to encourage this very rude person who has said that he doesn't even believe in psychiatry to to, to seek mental help. Um, very kind to be considering, you know, him in this moment in that way. But I think that perhaps you guys might be a little too nice and that maybe that might be something to think about, not focus on, but like, I don't know, maybe the next time you're kind of in a position where it's hitting some of the same emotional notes as your situation Mm -hmm. with Mr. Fleabag over here, like, I don't know, 
know, <laughs> maybe you can kind of tap into that inner boundary holder and just be like, you know what? I don't have to deal with this. So I don't know, just, I don't know y'all, yeah. but I'm just feeling like y'all could use a little bit more of that in your lives, a little more of, I don't have to deal with this. Absolutely. I mean, keep in mind that I'll speak for myself. There's a lot of people who I think are great people, who I mm-hmm. know are great people, who I know have a lot to offer, who I'm not hanging out with simply because there are a few people above them yeah, on the list, yeah. right? My family yeah. and my closer friends. It is normal to not make time for people who you don't... I mean, in this day and yeah. age, we're all so busy. We're they all really, like really pets. busy. Most people... Yeah. Most people can work and do you know whatever hobbies they have and take care of themselves and hang out with like a, a pretty small handful of people who they really, really have chosen. And like, it's okay to not include someone on that list simply because they're not mm. in your inner circle. You don't even have to justify all these terrible things about their worldview and their behavior. Um, you can just not decide to make space in your day. It sounds like this guy might be showing up to the husband's workplace and showing up uninvited. So I'll admit that makes it a little more difficult. Um, in our society, like, that's not acceptable. We're not used to having to turn people away at the door. But, you know, I'm not above like turning the lights off and being quiet while someone knocks. I I really don't want to see them. I mean, you can do a combination of hiding out, opening the door and saying, it's a really bad time. We're sorry. And then a text message that speaks to the bigger issue, which is, look, we have a lot going on right now. It's been nice getting to know you, but we're not going to be able to continue to hang out. Um, at this time. We wish you the best. Wish you the best. I love it. This is Dear Prudence. We need to take a break, but when we come back, more letters from you and advice from us. Stay tuned. I'm Janae, and you're listening to Dear Prudence. Brittany and I are about to tackle our last question for the day. Brittany, are you ready? I'm so ready. This letter is titled, Knock It Off, Doug. I have a lovely mutual friend group that has given me joy over the years. And then there's Doug. Six years ago, when we were single, Doug tried to convince me to have sex with him. He literally made a little sales pitch to me, which was adorable in a weird way, but no. Doug's response to this rejection was to become an extremely awkward weirdo. He won't speak to me, make eye contact, or stand near me, and he's been doing this for five years. We both married a year later, and we have kids around the same age. He still does this. If our friend group goes to a concert, Doug sits as far away from us as possible. Wedding, Doug chooses a table on the opposite side of me. During a park play date, Doug was fine with our toddlers playing, but when his wife and I started chatting about parenting, he literally ran away and would not approach his wife until we were done talking. My hubby says to let it go, that Doug is just awkward in general. I want to confront Doug and tell him to knock it off, but he's not really doing anything. It's fine if he doesn't want to be my friend, but he's made it weird for no reason. I just want to say be careful what you ask for. Be careful what you wish for. Because <laughs> imagine you confront Doug and you're like, Doug, stop ignoring me. Stop yeah. being like this. I want you to go back to the way things were before. Well, guess how things were before? He was making a sales pitch to have sex with you. Like, this is what Doug has to offer. It's not a lot. He can be, <laughs> he can be weird. 
He can make you uncomfortable or he can not talk to you. That's the evidence I see. I think what we're getting is the best case scenario. Doug is not bothering anyone. Let him be. 100% agree. I think it's nice that you thought that the sales pitch to have sex with you was adorable in but a way. But it wasn't. It wasn't. It really wasn't. I. I. That's not. <laughs> that's not adorable. I'm sorry. I mean, and it wasn't to you really either because you rejected him and then you married somebody else. So it's okay. We can all admit that that was real weird. Yeah. But um. Yeah. I think that Janae's absolutely right. Doug's just an awkward person, and he can either be awkward in a way that oversteps your boundaries or he could be an awkward in a way that get, that stays as far away from you as possible. And me myself personally, I prefer the latter to the former. <laughs> me too. 100%. Because like, I mean, the other thing is, is like, I mean, even if let's say Doug is like not trying to have sex with you again. But what I will say is that what you really, really don't want is for Doug to hear you saying, hey, you know, things don't have to be weird between us. <laughs> and him hearing, we're going to become best friends. Right. Because then uh, you could end up in a situation almost worse than Doug wanting to have sex with you, which is where suddenly Doug wants your children to have play dates every weekend mm-hmm. or for y'all to go on double dates nonstop. I think that would actually be weirder than him physically running right. away from his wife. Or Doug is texting you late at night with every meme that makes him think of you. Um, Doug is sitting in between, wedging himself in between you and your husband, um, putting his hand on your shoulder. And now your husband thinks it's weird. Now you have to navigate another conversation. Yeah. Just let the man run away and have his space. I was going to say, he's he's trying to stay away from you. I think you should just stay away from him too. (laughs) Me too. Let it go. You know what I mean? Let it rock. It's weird for no reason, but like it's the least weird situation available short of not being friends with Doug anymore. Yeah, basically. I mean, in a way, Doug has effectively blocked and deleted you. <laughs> <laughs> he really and has. He has. We've so come full circle. Same. Yeah, we've and we've come full circle. With that, um, those are all the questions we have for this week. It has been really fun and hopefully helpful. Brittany, thank you so much. Oh my gosh, thank you for having me. This is literally a career high and a dream for me. <laughs> well, you're really good at it. Um, I think I want to ask you for a weekly piece of unsolicited advice because oh my god, I have a feeling you have some more. I have, I have, I have a couple up my sleeve. Okay, we'll talk. For more of Brittany, listen to NPR's It's Been a Minute. New episodes come out every Tuesday and Friday. Do you need help getting along with partners, relatives, coworkers, and people in general? Write to me. Go to slate.com forward slash prudy. That's slate.com forward slash P-R-U-D-I-E. The Dear Prudence column publishes every Thursday. If you'd like to hear your question answered on the podcast, we are looking for letter writers who would be comfortable recording their questions for the show. You can stay anonymous. Dear Prudence is produced by Sierra Spragley-Ricks with a special thanks to Palace Shaw. Editorial help from Paola de Verona. Daisy Rosario is Senior Supervising Producer, and Alicia Montgomery is Slate's VP of Audio. I'm your dear Prudence, Janae Desmond-Harris. Until next time.